Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, there were three great deep, profound pieties among the Jews. Pieties of giving, piety of prayer, and the piety of fasting. So I'm going to share what Jesus shared about those three as those three actually bracket the Lord's Prayer. We'll get into the Lord's Prayer next week. But for today, that we look at these most critical pieties and Frankly, that's a word we don't use anymore. Piety. And do we even like the word? When we think of those people, oh, they're so pietistic. We use that kind of language. But a a piety is simply a matter of practicing what it means in our own private life to be a disciple of God, to to be a Christian. And, and we need those things. Call it what we might. We, we are called to be practicing our faith. And the great pieties are done in secret. The great pieties are those things that we do to sort of nurture our lives so that we might grow in the ways of God. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Lord's lips in the Gospel of Matthew. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray. I'm sorry, I skipped the the start here. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets and calling attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. And when you fast... Do not make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting. Except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. And may God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So, 
Don't let it be seen when you give, when you pray, when you fast. And it makes me wonder, as I was looking at this passage, struggling with it all week, does anyone even care? Does it matter? You know, in the first century, there were those who were, who were out there publicly trying to demonstrate how righteous they were. Not today. We, we just don't even see that anymore. In fact, when something of this occurs, it makes the news. So, yesterday, Pastor Brunson, who was released from a Turkish jail after two years, goes into the Oval Office. And it's big news that he prayed with the President. He knelt next to him, put his hand on the President, and prayed for him. News. And, and that, of course, was followed by this other visit in the, the Oval Office. Now, I have, I have a problem with wearing a hat in the Oval Office and speaking obscenities in the Oval Office. We have to ask, is anything sacred anymore, anywhere? Not that, not that our president or any president is sacred. It's not the person, but the office. The office deserves respect. That's why I wear this robe. It's not me, it's the office. And, and yet, is, is anything, is any context sacred anymore? I mean, we don't have anyone acting out to pretend like they're pious. It just doesn't happen. And those who do, does anyone even notice? So we, we have to wonder where we are now as a culture when, when a text such as this doesn't seem to have much application other than to say that, that we ought not be ostentatious in the things that we do. We ought to be exercising an appropriate level of humility and and, you know, when we give, to do it quietly, not to, not to call attention to ourselves. When we pray, don't, don't make a big deal out of it. And, and when we fast, likewise, and we're all fasting, but to do things other than just to lose weight. You know, to do it for, for deepening in our spiritual understanding and our relationship with God. And all of those things seem to be seem to be lost as pieties anymore. My grandpa was a Swedish pietist, and um, but piety for him meant you don't smoke, not because it's not healthy, but because if God intended you to smoke, he would have put a smokestack on your head. <laughs> I remember he came and visited when I was a little boy and after we'd moved to Riverside and, and at the dinner table mom served wine and grandpa took a sip of the wine he said, boy, it's a good thing I didn't taste this when I was younger. <laughs> so a, a sweet, winsome comment that grew out of a deep sense of personal practice in his relationship with God personal, that involved his prayer life, his giving. And 
and I'm sure times also of fasting. But prayer, you know, recently we've, we've heard, we don't want to hear thoughts and prayers. We just don't want to hear it anymore. And it makes one wonder if the division that we're experiencing in our culture doesn't have at its root issues of faith. That when we dig down through all the politics and get down to the very root of things, if it's not a, a matter of faith and of, of anti-faith. John Summerfield shared with me this week there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about a monument to a World War I kid, a soldier, a corporal, who died in the war, whose body was buried in, in France. But the whole community in Maryland came out, and they had a time of, of prayer, and they did a memorial service. And, it's, and about five or six years later, they erected a cross, and that cross became a memorial to all of the the young men of that community who gave their lives there in that war. Well, the 4th District Court has now said that that is, that cross has to come down. That's somehow establishment of religion. So it has to come down. And one has to wonder if this division that we're experiencing in our culture doesn't have as its root, at its root, issues of faith and and militant secularism over against just people, people who believe. Not, not people who are out beating the drums, not people who are doing something that's unseemly, but people who, who understand that when somebody gives their life, that's more than just somebody dying. More than somebody just going to war, they have, they have made a personal sacrifice. And ultimately, it, it is, as I've commented before, it's patriotism that goes beyond nationalism. It's patriotism that is rooted in a sense of one's relationship with God. Talking about prayer is tough for me. I'm not one of those prayer types. I met a woman recently who um, told me that she was deeply involved in prayer meetings, so very involved, and she, she uh, was going on and on and on. As a matter of fact, she said, my mother is 97 years old, and I don't believe that she's going to die. I believe that the Lord will return again before she dies at 97, and that she's going to be raptured up. And I thought, well, maybe. <laughs> but I, I just, I personally, I just, I need others to do a lot more praying than I do. I, I struggle with it, personally. It's not that I don't pray. I do pray. But I don't feel like I'm very good at it. And... And and so my my prayers tend to be kind of like like that of that Martin Luther talked about. He said your prayers should be brief, intense, and frequent. 
So I think Biff, brief, intense, frequent, that's how I pray. That's generally how I do it. But others are so good. You know, the, the Bishop of Boston, the Boston Diocese, as he came in, there was such a horrific history that he had to deal with and, and all kinds of ongoing struggles because of the, the abuse of children that, that he was dealing with as a, as a bishop. And he went in frightened, scared. And so he, he said, as he entered into this, he said, I, I can only do this. I find myself deeply disturbed by what is happening in the church, he says. I know the bishops must act decisively and that the actions need to be thorough, transparent, professionalism in cooperation with competent lay people, but still I ask the question, what can I do? All, of the, all I know is I can pray and do penance. To that end, and as your pastor, I commit myself to a full day and night of public penance. On Monday, September 24th, 2018, I will celebrate the 9 o'clock Mass in St. Anne Church as I usually do. Following that Mass, I will expose the Blessed Sacrament and remain there in prayer and fasting until the next morning, con concluding this period of prayer and penance with the celebration of the 9 o'clock Mass on Tuesday. God bless him. He knows as a human being there's so little he can do. Even as a bishop, those who actually become bishops know that it's no big deal. And they can't really do very much. We're ministers. We can't fix things. If you've got an ache in you, I can't go, I can't go in there and take your gizzard out. I, I, you know, we can't do things. When our board president arrived this morning, uh, George Walters, I was putting out the signs for the um, handicapped parking right out here, and I realized that a few weeks ago I put one up backwards. And I thought, well, I'm a minister. <laughs> I can do a lot of things, but I can barely do signs. We can't fix things. But we can pray. We can uphold one another. We can demonstrate our concern and our care for one another. Our hearts can break for one another. And our, our lives can evidence a sweet humility, recognizing the, the image of God in one another. And, and Jesus is simply telling us, you know, your, your humility... Your bowing before me, your fasting, your giving, these things all participate. Not that I need it, God says, but you do. Speaking of Grandpa, I still remember I was about five years old and sitting on his knee, Yes, I used to be small enough to sit on my grandpa's knee. And kissing him, him kissing me, I still remember the aroma of my, my grandfather. The sweet aroma and the bristle of his mustache. 
this wonderful man who he and grandma raised six children three of them were veterans of the second world war one of them was a geologist up in Alaska serving the war effort both of the women both the girls stayed at home and, and helped support their parents through that frightening time when they didn't know if their boys were going to make it home Grandpa, Grandpa met Grandma up in Canada, in, in Alberta someplace, and, and uh, he was working, uh, actually taking classes at the YMCA to become an architect. And somewhere along the line he met Grandpa, uh, Grandma. And when he first met her, he said in his thick Swedish accent, You're a little heavy, aren't you? <laughs> Susan Anderson, what can I say? And, and they came together and had this wonderful life together, a wonderful family. I'm reminded of this because at Honor Flight just a, a few weeks ago, I had the occasion to go back to the memorial for Washington State where I, we took a picture of my dad and my son and his family came down and we had a picture of my dad and me, my son and his son, four generations of Andersons right there. It was a wonderful moment. But Grandpa, you'd never know that he was a man of prayer. In his humility, he didn't talk about it. But one time he talked about it. He came, when he left Sweden, on the dock were a bunch of women from the Salvation Army. And on the dock they beat their tambourines. And they sang. And they cried out to those young people as they were leaving for a life, new life in the new world that they would pray for them. And Grandpa says how he saw them on the dock and thought they were a little silly. But then as time went by, he realized how important it was to know that some people were praying for him back in the homeland of Sweden. And he came in through the St. Lawrence River, um, and I'm not even sure exactly where he entered, but he was working his way across the continent on the southern tier of Canada, working on a railroad. And they were on a high bridge with a huge deep ravine as they were approaching the Canadian Rockies that dropped straight down about 500 feet down to the river running below them. And Grandpa was on this trellis and he didn't hear the train coming. And it wasn't until the train was almost on him that the train saw him and blew its horn and Grandpa fell to the tears, the, the ties, and, and gripped the ties. And he recounts how he felt the train rumbling the, t the, the, the bridge and, and how he said a brief and intense prayer. It was simply, O oh Lord God, 
I've made many mistakes in my life. But if you preserve me, I'm yours. And the train went over the top of his head. And he watched as his hat blew off and fluttered down hundreds of feet to the river below. And it crossed over the top of him, Grandpa unscathed. And he got up and he looked as that train disappeared around the bend on the other side. I would say that was a bit of a pivotal moment for my grandfather. And Grandpa lived his life not for himself. He got deeply involved. He was one of the pillars of the First Covenant Church in Spokane. The building is still there. It's a church where I was baptized as a little boy. And he, till the day he died, attributes it all to the Lord God watching over him and taking care of him on that railway bridge. We don't have to be fancy with our prayers, people. We just have to be people who pray and uphold one another, care for one another. And just know all of our prayer is vertical. It's not horizontal. It's horizontal in care, but vertical in what we say. It is between ourselves and our God. Will you bow with me? Oh Lord, the sweetness of that time when we're not under threat, of those moments, perhaps on the far side of the cancer, or on this side of a crisis. Lord, may those times deepen us and give us a profound sense of how loved we are and how important is each of our lives and the real contributions that you have put us on this earth to make. Lord, we give you thanks that you don't require much, but you give all. In Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.